I need to thank my friend Mr. Ben Lewis at Roman Home. Mr. Ben has designed a really awesome tent. It's a cross between a wall tent and a range teepee. It's built to take tough weather, high winds. Craftsmanship is amazing. And it's made right here in the USA. Right here in Utah, USA. And uh, right now, Ben has a special going on. You can save 500 bucks. And uh, go to romanhome.com. Roman spelled R-O-A-M-I-N. Romanhome.com. And uh, tell Ben hello. Tell him Ty sent you. Okay, it's Mule Tip Tuesday here on the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I got a whole bunch of great questions, and I really appreciate you guys sending in your questions. Uh, you're welcome to send these questions in any time. Just email me, Ty, at tsmules.com, and put in the subject line question for Mule Tip Tuesday, and we'll get to it, I promise, at some point. Um Sometimes the questions stack up and we don't get to it for a week or two. And and sometimes we uh, we got plenty of room to take them. So thank you for the questions anyways. Uh, but I want to start off with a little thought on today's Mule Tip Tuesday. And I want to share the example of the shade tree. Now, oftentimes we are doing way too much with our mules in regards to pressure and you don't have to be around equine very long to hear different examples and the principle of pressure and release but sometimes we do way more than it takes and so one of my favorite examples that this i can't remember exactly who i heard it from or where i heard it but i've talked about it a long time and and, uh, you know, it's not mine. It's not original to me. Um, I wish I could give the credit, but I don't know who. I can't remember where I heard it, but it's a great example of what it takes to get an animal to move. But basically, the shade tree example is, you know, you've all seen a horse or a mule standing under the, the shade tree. And they're, they're there for a few hours. And if you notice, they will follow the shade of the tree. And it doesn't take very long for that mule to feel the sun, the heat of the sun's rays burning down and feel a little uncomfortable and just move into the shade. The shade provides instant relief, an instant release from the sun. That's all it takes. And then the mule is comfortable again, standing there just fine. And as the sun goes from east to west continually that shade moves and the mule moves again that's all it takes to to this you know just make that animal comfortable is just a little shade that's all it that's all it really took and and it only took a little bit of a sun's rays to make it uncomfortable. Now, you've all felt this before. You've all felt the difference. You've all felt the pressure of the sun and the heat of that sun. And you've all moved your chair to stay in the shade or something. So put this into our mulemanship. 
and how we ride and what we're doing here. And think about how much pressure you put on your animals when you ask them a question. How do you ask them? How, how, how much do you put on? And how quick do you take it off? Anyways, that's your, that's your thought for the day. I'll let you chew on that a little bit. But the example of the shade tree, pressure and release. Okay, let's get to these awesome questions. Number one. This question is from Melody Roberts, okay? I have a 10-year-old mule that grew up in our barn, being in a stall, wash rack, and turned out daily. This last year, our barn got too full, so he went to live out to pasture full-time, but still comes in for riding, shoes, vet work, and the occasional bath. Now, each time he comes in, he acts like a brand-new colt, snorting and looking at everything. He even refuses to go into the wash rack, and he never had an issue with any of this before. If we leave him in a few weeks and work with him, he gets better and is like his old self. But when we turn him out again, it's like starting all over. I think he's happier. I think he is happier being with his pasture buddies, so I just deal with it. I do the same thing with a few horses and they have no issues. So is this just a mule thing? No idea how to fix this with him still out to pasture. Just curious, really. Thanks. Okay, Melody, thank you for that question. Um Okay, this is a perfect example of when they get familiar, they get fine. <laughs> they're fine when they're familiar, okay? Um, so, you, you know, you had him in here before, hanging out. He's fine. He used to be fine to give the baths to, to catch, to ride, to whatever. And now you've had him out to pasture. He comes in. He's snorty. You know, before, and, and also you, you mentioned that, you know, when you keep him in a few weeks, he gets fine again. He's just getting familiar, okay? And it's it's just a it, it's their instinct, right, to get familiar. If they don't get familiar, they, it's really hard for them to survive. It's like you know um, the example of the tumbleweed, right? They see that tumbleweed go by, and the first couple times it might spook them, might scare them, but pretty soon they learn that that tumbleweed is is you know not threatening. Because if if they get scared of this tumbleweed every time, they run off every time they see this tumbleweed. You know, they're using a lot of calories to go into the flight instinct. It's hard on the animal. It's not a good thing. So they, you know, nature has helped them to become familiar. So they say, all right, it's not dangerous. And as long as they're in that familiar state and they're, they're going and doing familiar things and and uh, in that routine, life is pretty good. And I see this all the time. People say, well, geez, at home, my mule never done this. But, you know, they come to a clinic or they come on a ride with me. And they say, well, geez, they've never done this at home. Well, they're doing it here. That's because they're not familiar here. Now, here's the deal. I want my mules to be the same wherever they're at. The one thing that needs to be constant wherever they're at is me being able to keep them centered. Okay. So this is the deal. How come this mule is refusing to go in the wash rack when you say he has in the past a whole bunch of times. The mule's not centered, not broke to lead. When he's fine, it's just because he has, he has gotten familiar with it. And it's just that instinct. So, but when you turn him back out, you turn him out in the pasture, that, that flight instinct has, has kicked in a little bit more. He just, just being a mule out there, not really using the thinking side of his mind out there. Now, I do recommend letting that mule run in the pasture. 
But this is some things I'd work on, Melody, if I was you. Number one, I would bring him in more often so he sees the change from the pasture to the barn and does become familiar. Now, it's it's a good thing to be familiar. That's desirable. But the other thing I'm going to do a heck of a lot more of is I'm going to do a better job at getting this mule handy. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to really work on getting this mule truly broke to lead to where I can lead it wherever I want. So I'm going to do quite a bit of groundwork, quite a bit of riding work and and get that thing going. That's basically the two, two things I would do. To answer your question, is this just a mule thing? No, it's an equine thing. It's all horses, all mules, all donkeys. They have the potential to do exactly what you just described. And, you know, some are more timid than others. And, you know, some are more on the instinct than others. And, you know, it's all, they're all individuals, of course. But everything you're describing is totally natural when they are just an instinctual equine. That's kind of the route that, they go is is doing and behaving in the way you describe. So those are two things I would do. Uh, I would keep them out to pasture, bring them in more often. And number two, get them handy. Thanks for the question, Melody. Let me know what you think of that. The next question we got here, let's see. Lori Hancock, I have been having a terrible time finding saddles to fit my mule. I do write English, some Western. What saddles do you recommend? Will you have a clinic in North Carolina? Thanks, Lori. Okay, Lori, as for saddles, so I, I don't know where to recommend you for an English saddle. Maybe that's something I need to look into so I can tell people like you where to um, where to find that, uh, you know, if you're interested in writing English. I, don't, I can't answer that question. As for the Western, I recommend Colt Saddlery. If you've listened to our podcast much, you've heard me mention Colt Saddlery. Uh he just moved up to Star Valley, Wyoming, and uh, you know Colt Naring, he does a good job. He's he he does amazing work with these saddles, and so he could help you find a good fit in Western saddle. Now, as for fit, you know every mule is different, so just because it's called a mule saddle or there's built on mule bars does not mean it'll fit your mule. And so don't be afraid to look into quarter bars or or semi-quarter bars, um, you know, look into different bars of these saddles. It doesn't have to be a mule saddle. Um, but generally speaking, these flat bars, people just call them mule bars, but these flat bars typically fit mules better. However, it's not a total, you know, 100% thing. So uh, don't be afraid to try different kinds of bars is what I'm trying to get at here. And yes, we will be in North Carolina. We come to Carolina, or excuse me, North Carolina um, every year for the past, I don't know, four or five. Let's see, how long have I been going to North Carolina? I think five years now. Um, and we go to uh, Ferguson, North Carolina. Good old mule days at Leatherwood. Um, our great friend Shannon Hoffman puts it on out there. And she does a great job, Leatherwood at mule, or mule days at Leatherwood. North Carolina, look it up, find it on Facebook and stuff. Uh, a lot of fun, and it's a great clinic every year. So thanks for the questions, Lori. Okay, coming up next, we got Pam Howell. I recently watched a video where Ty demonstrated saddling with quality. He said that if you leave the mule tied to the trailer when you saddle, you can create problems but he did not elaborate on what those problems were. I'm curious what exactly those problems are because I'm sure I've caused them. Thank you. All right, Pam. 
Uh, well, give yourself some credit. Yeah, you know, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Uh, but let me elaborate as you ask here. Um, first of all, I don't have a problem tying my mule to the trailer to saddle or tying them up anywhere to saddle. In fact, that's a goal. I, I need to get them to where I can tie them up because I don't want to have to just keep them on the end of the lead all the time. And, and there's places I need to put them and places they need to be. And, and so, yeah, definitely can tie them up to saddle them after they're good to saddle. So when I'm, when I'm working on teaching a colt to be saddled, I do it on the end of the lead rope. I need them to be able to stand still and take that saddle. And there's, there's exceptions and things that we work on and I'm not going to dive into that too much here. Um, you know, but, but basically I need them to be able to hang in there with me on a loose rein and be saddled. If they can do this, then I can tie them up. The reason I don't want to tie them up to the trailer to saddle if I'm having problems is they'll learn, they can learn to pull back, uh, I see this most common, the mules swinging their, their hind quarters around and, and blocking you or pushing you or moving or, you know, and when they're tied up and if they move when they're tied up, there's no way for you to redirect that mule. Um, they're tied up. You don't have the lead rope in your hand to send that mule to move that mule. I've seen way more people get kicked tying mules up to the trailer to saddle when they're troubled than I have ever on the end of a lead rope. You don't have anywhere to put them. You don't have anywhere to move those feet to. You can't move those feet. You can't direct those feet there when they're tied up. So that's kind of the main reason there, Pam. Um, and if you can get them to where they stand on a loose rein, real nice to be saddled, and they're just quiet and life is good, you're not going to have any issues later on tying them up. So it's just doing things in order so that you're prepared so that you don't get those problems later on. Um Saddling with quality is a direct prerequisite to being able to mount your mule with quality and not have them moving. And then all the way through to building a good stop. I mean, if, if we can't saddle them and then have them just relax there, how are we, are we ever going to expect them to have a good stop? And how can we expect them to have good turnarounds and, and back up nice if we can't even control them when they saddle? So it can kind of go down the rabbit hole there for sure, Pam. But thanks for the question. Okay, next question. Herschel Williams. Ty, I have a question if you don't mind. I have been starting Colts for 40 years. This is the first Molly. I enjoy all of your videos and appreciate them. This Molly is doing great. Really soft. Rides great. I have tagged calves on her last fall and rode her many miles. The problem I ran into a few weeks ago uh, was when we came to a bridge crossing uh, over the Pecos River, and she would not step foot on it. I spent an hour there making her move her feet, rolling the hinds and front, but she would not step on it. Now, what really confused me was I have a 20-foot bridge at the house up on blocks that she crosses every day. What do you suggest I do to prepare for the next bridge crossing? Next time, I may not be able to jump her in the river and cross it. Thanks for your time. All right, Herschel. That can be frustrating <laughs> when you got a you got a bridge in your backyard they're playing on all the time and then you get to this bridge and they say no. You know, it kind of goes along with what Melody asked really about that mule, you know, not wanting to you know, like go in a wash rack or 
thinking the barn is all weird. It's been in there before, but you know, this is another example, Herschel, of your mule just being familiar. It's familiar with the bridge that you have at home, but it's not centered. The mule's not centered. The mule's not not between your your stirrups and between your reins. So to answer your question, what I would work on to prepare is I would focus on getting this mule handy. Focus on getting to where I could really move the hinds, move the front, work on that forward motion. You probably need some more work on transitions if they're getting so, you know, if this mule's so stuck, it doesn't want to go forward. You probably need to work on your transitions a bit more. You probably need to work on building this relationship to where the mule knows that if you ask it a question, life is going to be good. And so find as many opportunities as you can to prove to your mule that she's all right. That if you ask a question of her, she's going to be fine. That's a, hu that's a huge piece, especially when you get something scary like a bridge or a water crossing or something that is really testing their instinct that goes against what they think they should do to stay safe. They need to be able to fall back on the relationship you have built so that they know that, okay, when Herschel asks me a question, I can say, yes, life is going to be good. I'm going to be safe. So how do you do that? Well, lots of small questions, easy yeses all the time, all the time. Now, if you if you know you're going to be, say you're going to come back to this bridge, you know you're going to be getting there. On the way to that bridge, I would be doing every little thing, every little rock, I'd be jumping on it. Every little stump, I'd be going around it. Every little little deadfall, I'd be going over it. I'd be doing stuff all the time, getting yeses, yeses, yeses all the way there. That's probably the most important part of this. So number one, get them centered. Number two, build their relationship. Ask yes questions all the way there, okay? As for actual working on obstacles, you know, something you could do with your bridge at home is change it up. Put a tarp over your bridge. Looks different. You could practice that. That value is not nearly as high as the other two suggestions I just gave you, but it's still valuable. Now, back at the bridge, you know, sometimes you're not going to get it done today. Now, this is hard because humans are so prideful and there's so many people that say, oh, you got to get done. You, you got to win. You can't let that mule win. If you quit, then they, you know, they'll never forget it. Yeah, 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 I get, okay, I get all that, whatever. But sometimes you just ain't going to get it done today, friends. And that's just reality. Like, this isn't Hollywood where, you know, the crime is solved in an hour episode and or where, you know, the horse whisperer gets the girl and everything. I mean, it, it, it doesn't, it, this isn't. That's not real life. Sometimes you got to take smaller bites. Sometimes you got to work at this. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes you don't get it done. Sometimes you don't get across that bridge today. So, and sometimes the fight you put up trying to get over that bridge does more damage than it does good. So, realize that, oops, I didn't prepare good enough. Crap. Well, you go back and you do a better job preparing so that next time you can be successful again. So, you know, if I was in that situation, I probably would have done the same thing. Herschel, I might have worked at it for a little while and things aren't going good. You know, but one suggestion I would give you 
at the obstacle, at that bridge at that time is make going toward the obstacle really desirable. And so I might have went away and I might have rode a little, little heavier, a little harder there, asked a few more questions. And then the closer we get to the bridge, I'd lighten up, not ask so many questions, keep it easier, try to make it a, a reward to go toward the bridge. You know, uh, sounds like you're by yourself. So that doesn't help. You know, it, if, if I had an opportunity, I'd like to follow somebody um, if I could, you know. So things like that. Sometimes you got to get off and lead them across. Sometimes if you've done a good job with your groundwork, they'll be fine to lead. So get off and, you know, maybe you got a better foundation built on the ground. I don't know. So those are a few suggestions. But number one, get the mule handy. Number two, build that relationship of a yes mule. Make a yes mule. All right. And then try those other things. We're going to take a quick break before we get to these last couple of questions. We need to thank our awesome sponsors here. So we'll be right back. Hey, we want to thank our sponsors, Western Mule Magazine. Ben and Anita Tennyson do an amazing job with their magazine. I've been writing for them for a few years now, and uh, they're great. Look up westernmulemagazine.com and check them out. Okay, we are back here with our Mule Tip Tuesday. Got a couple of questions more that I want to mention here and try to help out some folks. Next question comes from Nick Watson. Nick writes, I just got a new mule that is 12 years old and trained. I already have four mules and horses. I separated the new Molly for half the day, and she was a little timid, but still allowed us to go up and pet her. Then I put her in with the rest of the herd, and now she seems to be more standoffish, and I can't pet her. What's your suggestion with new animals? I'm thinking I should put her alone in the pen and work on building a bond first before permanently putting her with the others. I just purchased your video series and excited to start on that. I have two-year-old mules to get started. Thanks. Okay, Nick. Um, great question. This is what I do when I get a new mule. Uh, I get to asking questions as quick as I can. I get to riding as quick as I can. Um, if they're broke, um, if they're not, I get to do my groundwork as quick as I can right off the bat. So I don't, uh, bring them home and, and, uh, let them settle. Um, I, I get to asking questions. Now they, they know everything about you and there's, they don't really comprehend the whole settling in process. They don't have that frontal lobe that says, oh, I'm going to settle in here for a few weeks and then I'm going to be okay. They, they just live in the moment. So they care about how you make them feel right now, what you do right now. So I've never really found it to be too beneficial to let them just kind of hang out and, you know, quote bond. Also, uh, you know, it's not bad at all to put them with your herd. I think they settle in quicker with the herd for sure. But I'm going to be using them, riding them, working with them, asking them questions, getting them to say yes, um, getting them thinking. I'm going to ask questions that put just a little stress on them, and then I'm going to back off and help them feel good. I want to be a source of good feelings. I'm going to start building that relationship that way. Um, I'm going to make sure that life is going good for me outside of that mule 
uh, meaning I'm going to make sure I got my head right, got my life right, I'm feeling good, um, things are going good, it's a good day. That way when I get to work with that new mule, there's a lot of good coming from me, a lot of positivity coming from me. Uh, I want to be an inviting type of person to that mule. So I would just get right to work, Nick. I would get right to riding and, and asking questions. Now, this is different. Um, people, some people say, oh, well, I, you got to let, let them bond. You got to let them get used to you before you go out and ride them. Well, that's because those people are just poking down the trail, not doing anything with the mule of value. They're just sitting on them, and the mule is basically just a transportation to the lunch spot. <laughs> that might sound a little rough, but that's something I've found to be true a lot of times. If you get in there, ask questions, back off, reward them, let them settle, let them soak, ask more questions, back off, reward them, let them settle, let them soak. And you do this and you get them thinking, you engage the thinking side of their mind, man, you'll be bonded. You'll be, you'll be going great with them right off. Uh, now, like I mentioned, I would probably put them out with the herd. That's what I usually do with my mules. I don't usually keep them by themselves unless I feel the need to quarantine them for some odd health reason. Maybe, uh, you know, I'm maybe they come from a cell, you know, or uh, an auction where they've been exposed to a whole handful of mules. And I might put them on their own for a week or two just to make sure they don't bring something home to the rest of my herd. Um, but that would be the only reason. It wouldn't be so that I could bond. Um, uh, you know, they're herd animals and the quicker you can get them to settle down and get comfortable, get them comfortable in their life away from you. So that means throughout the day, they feel comfortable enough to sleep, to eat, drink, you know, just being away from you, the, the better frame of mind they're going to be in when you go out there and want to work with them. Okay. So I think that's important. You leave them by themselves, you pull them out of their herd, you put them by themselves. Uh, they can't trust the rest. You know, th there's, no, there's no other animals there to, to, to kind of have their back, you know, and you're not there all the time to have their back either. So um, I, I've seen it, a lot of success from people, though, that have kept them by themselves too. So I'm not, I'm not saying that it can't be done. It's just, it's fine. Um, but there's good, there's better, and there's best. I don't know what's best yet, but for me, better is I would have that meal with the herd, letting them feel good, and then I'd be working with that meal. The first day, first day I, I bring it home, I'm going to be doing something with it. If I have the ability and I, and I can, I'm going to be working with it right off the bat. So anyways, I hope you enjoy the videos, uh, the online video series there. Um, there's a, I think we, we have over 200 45 or something videos on there now. Um, and I have a whole bunch more to download. We're going to have a whole snaffle bit series. Hopefully by, hopefully by Christmas, it'll be downloaded on there. And then I have a, a hackamore series that we're filming that will be on there and, uh, really excited to get those out there for everybody. So lots more coming your way, Nick. Thank you for subscribing to the online video library. Okay. Our last question <laughs> Code name Joe Dirt, huh? That's what that's what it says. That's what Sky wrote. Code name Joe Dirt. Okay, Joe Dirt. Um, <laughs> I'd like to build an arena on my property. I'd like it as small as possible, but still big enough to be useful. What size and shape do you recommend? Okay, with an arena, 
you will never regret having a bigger arena. Um, so, so I would, I would actually go as big as possible, <laughs> uh, whatever you can do, whatever is going to fit there. You know, a, a really good working size arena is, you know, like 120 by 200 foot. That's a good size, you know, uh, minimum. I don't know. I've, I've seen all, I've rode in all kinds of little arenas and, and basically large round pens and my, the ideal shape of an arena for what I do, um, which is basically two things working on fundamentals and then cow working in the arena. Those that's basically all I do in the arena is a circle. So just a huge round pen. If you can, if your property allows for that, build a big old round pen, giant round pen. If you can, um, right now here at my place, we, I have an arena here. It's, uh, it's not permanent. I, I'm just using panels and you might consider doing that instead of paying for, you know, permanent fencing to be put in or, you know, building it yourself and putting in permanent posts. You might just use panels and T posts. That's what I did, um, for now, because I'm not exactly sure I'm not exactly sure where I'm going to be building my barn and where I want my arena to be permanently. So I'm just using panels. So I would recommend you just go get you some panels and put it up and see how you like it. See how it rides and see if you want to make it a little bit bigger or if you can get away with it smaller or whatever you like. That's what I'd recommend. So anyways, great questions. I appreciate all the questions. If if you guys have questions anytime, just send them in. Ty at tsmeals.com. Just send me an email. Put in the subject line, question for Meal Tip Tuesday, and I'll be sure to try to get to it and help you out. Um, it's fun answering these questions, and don't feel bad. Some people say, well, you know, I, I, I don't know if you, this has already been asked or not. I, I see that comment quite a bit. Yeah, a lot, of these, a lot of these questions have been asked. A lot of them have been asked a lot of times, but, you know, every podcast episode is new, and every week we get hundreds and of new listeners that have never listened. And so, yeah, don't be shy to ask a question. And, you know, sometimes I have different answers for the same question. You know, I've, I've went back and I've listened to, you know, uh, you know, maybe a question, um, well, even like what just Nick just asked, you know, a question about bringing a new mule home and I, and I'll go back and I'll listen to it. And, you know, it's, it's a little different. Um, but you know what, every day I try to learn more, I'm trying to get better, and I hope that I know more today than I did yesterday. And I sure hope I know more tomorrow than I know today. <laughs> so uh, the answers may be different because I have more information. I know more. So it's totally okay to ask the same questions. If That's no big deal. I appreciate them all. Hey, if it's not too much to ask of you, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I know there's a lot of podcast platforms out there, but if you're listening on Apple I would really appreciate it if you would take some time and leave a five-star rating and write me a review. Tell me what you think of these podcasts. I'd love to hear from you. And for the rest of you on all the other platforms, uh, most of them don't have a way for you to leave a review, but I would love to hear from you. Feel free to send me an email. Tell me your favorite episode. Tell me what you like uh, about these podcasts. Tell me, uh, yeah, tell me whatever you like. I'd love to hear from you. So, Anyways, until next time, you can uh, find a lot of this information, uh, a lot of demonstrations of these questions actually on our 
online video library. Go to tsmules.com and find it on there. Uh, anyways, hey, until next time, God bless you, and we will see you down the road.